welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you'd like to access helpful Growth Step resources. Join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you've learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. On June 4, 1937, Sylvan Goldman, the owner of the Humpty Dumpty supermarket chain based in Oklahoma, he had a problem. Actually, it was an opportunity that he saw by asking a simple question. How can I help customers move groceries faster? So he took a wooden folding chair. He put a basket on the seat and he attached wheels to the base of this chair. And he called it a folding basket carrier, what we now know of as the modern shopping cart. Now, Sylvan Goldman, he was a visionary. He was a leader. He's someone who made things happen, but even for a leader who makes things happen, there's challenges. See, Sylvan, his idea was not initially widely accepted by men and women. In fact, for different reasons, they rejected his idea. Women who had been pushing baby carriers predominantly in that era, they rejected it because they felt like they were pushing children again. And in fact, one woman who has passed that stage in her life says, I've pushed my last baby carriage. And so she wasn't going to be found pushing this shopping cart. And, and then men, for different reasons, they felt like it was too feminine for them in that culture. And so they, they rejected the idea as well. And so Sylvan, what he did because he was a leader and he made things happen is he went out and he hired male and female models. And he paid them to push these folding basket carriers throughout the grocery store. And then he hired greeters to stand at the door and explain the benefits and how to use these folding carts and these shopping carts for people. And, and he explained the vision to people and it eventually caught on. And now, of course, it's spread all over the place. See, Sylvan, he had a vision. It started with a problem. It started with a need, but he took initiative. He acted on it. And he didn't have the whole vision figured out when he started. He called it a folding basket carrier, not a, not a shopping cart. He didn't know how it was all going to work out, but, but he began the process. He, he stepped in. He took action. And when you and I sense a God prompting in our lives, when we talk about spiritual leadership, when God is leading us and, and, and we see a need in the world, we see a problem, we, we ask the question, how can I make this mission that I'm a part of better? How could I advance the vision? How could I build what God's doing? When we start to ask those questions, things get very exciting because then God starts to lead us in, in solutions and ideas and, and teams start to be formed and, and things start to be acted upon and God takes ground for his kingdom. We spiritually advance. See, Jesus is pleased with this. In fact, he said in John chapter 15, verse 8, that, that this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So as we follow Jesus in this idea of spiritual kingdom leadership, a big part of it is making things happen, bearing fruit. Now, ultimately, of course, it's God that advances and makes things happen. You and I can't do that alone. The, the task is too big. We have an enemy that's opposing it. But with God on our side, as he prompts and leads us, we make things happen happen. And this is what leaders do. We make things happen. Fueled by the Holy Spirit of God, you and I step into opportunities and we make a difference in the world. Whereas Jesus said, we're light in the darkness. That's your role. And you, you know, a lot of people think that they're not leaders, but leadership, when you break it down, is, is one simple idea. It's one person influencing another. It's, it's influence. That's what leadership is. And you're a leader, whether you think you are or not. 
and you can make a difference in the world. You can be used by God with your life to influence other lives for God. And listen, we need this in our world today. We need more people to see themselves as leaders, especially godly leaders. The other day we were with some friends and, and they, were, they were playing a game where, I don't know if you've ever seen this heads up game where you, you take your phone and it's got some trivia questions on it and you hold it above your head. And you're trying to guess what's on your phone based on what everybody else is telling you. They're giving you hints and clues, but you, you don't know what it's written up there. And if you guess it right, you get a point. If you skip to the next deal, then you lose a point. And so they're all playing. I'm observing. And, and they're saying, Brandon, come join us. We need another play. Why don't you play with us? I'm like, I'm good. Go ahead. Have fun. And, and, and they're playing. And they're like, come on, Brandon, just play one time. I'm like, I'm terrible at that game. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to help you. I'm warning them. I'm like, you don't want me in the game. They're like, no, we want you to come, come do a round. So I jump in, and they give me the phone, and I hold it on my head. And, and then they say, all right, ready, ready, go. And, and, and they start yelling at me. And if you've ever played this game, you have a, a ton of people around you screaming at you and yelling different things. And you're, you're supposed to try to pick out something that makes sense out of all that craziness. It was just a mess. And so I, I'm, I'm listening. I'm trying to understand what they're saying. And I, I don't get it. I, I think I guessed like one right out of all the ones that I did, and that was a miracle. I don't know how I guessed it right. But I skipped on, on two of them. So the, the sum total of my turn was negative one point. <laughs> I got a point, and I lost two for the team. So, I, like, I told you guys, I, did I not warn you? I would not help you. Like, you got negative one point. There you go. Of course, I did not get invited to play round two. So there you go. Yeah, I, I, that was a game. And I said, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm any good at this. But, you know, some of you are doing that in life. Some, some of you are doing that in life because, see, what, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm not a leader. I can't do that. I'm not good at that. Like, you, you're, you're thinking, well, this is, this is not me. I, I, I'm, I'm a follower, <laughs> right? I, I, I'm, a, I'm, just a, I'm just a part of the whole. I, I'm not someone to lead. And, and I guess I'm just saying today that, that you should reevaluate that statement that you're not a leader because I believe that every follower of Jesus is called to be a leader, a godly leader a godly leader that makes a difference in the world. And, and, you, and you and I are needed in today's culture. We need more leaders to step up and influence our culture for Jesus. You can do this, and this is what pleases God when you do. John chapter 15, I shared it earlier, Jesus' own words. He says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. So this is to God's glory. This is what God wants out of your life, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is what God wants out of you. This is, this is God's plan for your life, to be used to bear fruit, to make a difference in the world. This, this is a fulfilling way to live. A lot of people think that, well, there's, there's some things that you know, I can, I can do and I'm good at, and then there's things that I want to do, but there's a whole other category between what you're, you're, you're good at and then what you want to do, and that's what fulfills you most. And I'll contend that there's nothing in that category that, that is greater than serving God and living for Him. In your notes, I'd summarize it this way. Others are influenced by the world, but godly leaders influence their world. We influence the world. And the, the world's constantly trying to influence us and to bring us in their direction. But as followers of Jesus, we influence the world. We lead the world. We, we, we are called to influence the world. You're gifted by this. The Holy Spirit is behind you and wants to help you in this. You know, one of our passions here at Church Experience is, we, we say it this way, no translation required. And what we're saying by that passion, that value for us, is that when people walk off the street into the church, we don't want them to have to translate the message of Jesus into a way that they can understand it. The language that they're speaking when they're in the mall or when they're at their workplace, uh, when they're in their home, we don't want them to have to translate the message. Our message is never changing, but our methods are always changing. And critics of churches that are in more of a modern style would be wrong to say that church is being influenced by the world. They're going the way of the world. Have you ever heard people criticize more of modern churches that way and say, well, that church, you know, the music, the way they dress, the way they do things, how they utilize technology, the lights are like a concert, whatever the things are, you, you've seen it, you've heard it, it's out there. When, when people criticize churches like that, they're misunderstanding what's happening. 
They're assuming that the church is being influenced by the world when the opposite thing is happening. Churches like ours are trying to influence the world by speaking the language of the world. And this value for us is really important. It's core to our mission. It's one of the reasons we started this church. No translation required. The message is never going to change. We have an ancient message, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, that, that salvation happens through faith in Christ alone and God's grace that transforms our lives, brings us into a relationship with God, the promise of heaven. That message is an ancient message that's, it's, that's never changing. But our methods have to constantly change. Otherwise, we'll present this timeless message in a dated package that the world won't understand. So you, so you and I have to, if we want to influence the world, we have to speak the language of the world. We don't change what we're saying. We just communicate it in a way that people can get it. And if we don't do this, we'll become a holy huddle that has no influence, no impact on the world, and that's not light. It's important that we influence the world in the way that the world understands. I don't know if you've ever had a, a friend that just, like, can dance really well. Like, they, they can move really well. And, and, and you just think, man, how do they have that rhythm? Like, I, I was not given that. I was not given that gift, and you're a little jealous, right? And you're, you can tell, though, that, that they're made to move. Like, that, that person was born, they were created to move. Like, that was just, that God gifted them that way. And, and, and some of you would say, well, man, I, I'm just, I'm not a leader, I'm not an influencer. And I would just say this, if you're a Christian, you were made to be an influencer. Like, as soon as you gave your life to Jesus, he, he put a mission in your life, a calling in your life. And you may have not stepped into it yet, but he put a calling in your life. And the billions of people in this world that do not know Jesus, they're not walking in a relationship with him. God is looking for more people to step up and say, hey, here am I, send me, use me, God. In any way, to, to reach even one, I, I, want, I want to be available, I want to be used. See, you're, you're called to be a leader. You know, I don't know if you've ever wondered, you know, what life is really all about. You know, the days come and go so fast, and you, you, I don't know if you've ever sat there and said, well, what's the purpose of my life? Why am I here? What's the meaning of my life? And, and, and this is it. Bearing fruit for God, making a difference in people's lives for Jesus, that's the highest pur purpose that we can aim for in this life. John 15, again in verse 8, Jesus says, This is to my Father's glory. This pleases him, that you bear much fruit. Not just a little bit of fruit, but that your life is used greatly by God to make a big difference. That's how you show yourself as a disciple. So that's how we show the world that we're followers of Jesus. We're using our lives to bear fruit for God's kingdom, God's church. We're, we're, we're being used to expand God's word into the lives of other people. That's, that's how we show ourselves to be disciples. But you can't show if you don't go, right? right? Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. Well, if we sit, if we sit on the sidelines and we never step out onto the, the playing field of serving other people, then then we can't show. We can't show the world if we don't go. And, and God's called you to go and make disciples. All right, results and fruit are two very different things. He says, bear fruit. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. But fruit is very different than results. See, most people in our culture today are chasing results. A lot of Christians, maybe without even realizing it, you're, you're chasing results. Results are, are generally good, but they're not fruit. Results are, you know, I want to see improvement in my life. I want to see growth in my life. I want to see progress. I want to see accomplishments. I want to see victories. I want to see gains. I want to see things get better and stronger and move up and move to the right. I, I, I want to I see progress, right? That, that is a good thing, but that's not fruit. Fruit, fruit can maybe be a, a number of different things, but it's not just success in your life, things going well. well. We'll call it success for the sake of this conversation. And there's a lot of success that you can chase in your life, right? And if, if the bank account's going up, if you get promotions at work, if you, know, you feel better about the things you're doing or accomplishing, the places you've been and traveled to, and your home is nicer or bigger or better than what it used to be, or you get a better vehicle, all those things, great. I mean, progress in life, okay, that's good, that's success. But fruit is different than that. And a lot of people, I'm telling you, a lot of people are living their lives for success, for results. Fruit is different. It's uniquely better. What fruit is, 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 is a few different things. So in the Bible, I think of Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. So, so one type of fruit we're, we're, um, we understand through the Bible is 
this character development inside of you, this spiritual development, this spiritual growth inside of you, this renaissance of your soul, this God transforming and changing who you are, gives us nine qualities as examples. Love should be increasing in your life as you grow closer to God. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. These, these fruits of the Spirit should be evident in the life of someone who is really submitting their life to the Spirit of God, following God. Over time, these things should grow. As iron sharpens iron, you get in community with other Christian believers. You study God's Word. You're in worship. You're hearing teaching. You're, you're leaning in and growing and applying and taking notes and saying, how can I get better? How can I be more like Jesus? That's the type of fruit that develops in your life that pleases God. Another type of fruit is life transformation. That God wants to use your life to influence and impact other lives. So, so this year, God wants to use you to touch at least one, but probably many other lives around you. And that's going to happen a lot of different ways. It might be teaching a young child how to pray, teaching them the Bible. It, it, it might be mentoring and discipling another believer that's uh, younger in their faith than you, that you can pour into them and develop them or a group of people and, and investing in them. It might be praying with someone, encouraging someone, inviting someone, telling them about your faith. I mean, there, there's an infinite number of ways that you can use your gifts, your abilities, your time to influence others. But, but this, the point of it is that, that you're called to bear much fruit. And bear fruit, bearing fruit for, for God is people. It's, it's, it's influencing and impacting people. It begins inside of you, the fruit of the Spirit in you, and it flows out and touches the world. It's helping the poor. It's advancing the cause of justice in the world. It's uplifting the needy and helping those who are spiritually lost find their way and, and teaching the Bible and discipling those who are trying to grow and mature. I mean, it looks like a lot of different things for a lot of different people in different seasons of our lives. But are you bearing fruit? Or are you just chasing results? It's a world of difference. And if you're just chasing results, success in your life, at the end of your life, you will have regret. On the edge of eternity, when you stand before God and give account for your life, you'll only have some human temporary wins to show for it. But the eternal fruit is what's lasting. It's what's good. I mean, he used the word fruit there, I think, for a reason. Fruit tastes good. It is good. We, we savor it. It's healthy for us. It's not sugar-sweet candy that tastes good in the moment, but then it's, you regret it later. It, this, is, this is something good. In fact, in your notes, I, I summarize it this way. For lasting influence... We need to shift from success to significant, from success to significant. We need to make that shift. Man, I had a sweet ride when I was in high school. <laughs> I did. Yeah, a lot of my friends had really nice sports cars. Some of them had trucks, and they would, they would go off-road mudding. But let me tell you about my ride. I, I had a sweet ride. My, my parents, they gave me the honor of driving the family minivan. All right. And it was not just a normal minivan. It was a stick shift minivan. Have you ever heard of a stick shift minivan? Like, why did they even make these things, right? You're going to go mudding in a, in a minivan? I don't know. Well, that's exactly what thought came to my mind is all my friends with trucks. You know, they take their vehicles off road and they're just like pounding through those gears and flying through the mud. I'm like, that sounds fun. I don't have a truck. I'm taking the family minivan and I'm going mudding. And I took my minivan and I, I went out into this field and it had just rained and I had visions of grandeur of flying through the mud and the mud just flying up everywhere and it was going to be great and awesome. And I get out into the field and, and I see this huge mud puddle out in the distance. I'm like, I'm going to fly through that thing and mud's going to, it's going to be just, it's going to be awesome. I, I just imagine it, you know, just spraying up, you know, and I'm going to have to turn the windshield wipers on. I'm barely going to be able to see through all, it's just going to be great. And so it's this, this epic vision in my mind. And so I, I, I'm in first gear and I'm like, all right, let's do this thing. And so I hit the gas and boom, power into second gear. I'm going into third gear. I'm flying into this mud puddle and whew, Sudden stop, like the mud was too much for the minivan. <laughs> it conquered me. I did not conquer the mud puddle. The mud puddle conquered the minivan. And I opened the door to get out, and the mud is up to the door. And I realized, I'm not pushing this thing out. I barely get out. I got mud all over me. There's no one around. I'm in the middle of a field. Like, what am I going to do? So I, I, I run two miles home, two miles home. 
I didn't have a good answer for why as a high school student, I'm out in the middle of this muddy field with the family minivan. My mom, she trusts me and she loves me, but she just could not understand like I was muddy in the minivan. I'm like, oh, I was, you know, you've heard of guys doing that, right, mom? And she, she literally asked me, were you, were you doing drugs out there? <laughs> That's what she asked. I have never, still ever to this day, done drugs. But mom, come on, seriously? <laughs> I was muddying in the minivan. I don't have a good excuse, you know. But it stayed stuck there for a while. I finally got it out, and man. But, but, you know, I still remember the feeling, though. I'll, t- I'll tell you, it was worth it because that feeling is shifting through those gears. And, oh, man, I, I just, the minivan, it, ha- it had some thunder. Just not enough, but it had some. And, and, and man, just that feeling, you know, of, of cranking up to the higher gear and going faster, going further. See, I, I think this is what God has in mind for us when he talks about bearing much fruit. There's, there's a, a higher gear that your life was made for. And a lot of people cruise in this gear of results, and they're in first gear. You, you can't do a cross-country trip very well in first gear, can you? You're going to just putter along, and you might, you might get somewhere, but you're not going to get as far and as fast as you, as you could go. And God says there's actually a higher gear, there's a higher level, if you will, to attain in your life of impact. And it's not just success. Because how many of us know that you can be incredibly successful in a career, but still be very unfulfilled and lonely and self-centered, and at the end of your life, look back and regret the life that you lived? And it can happen. It happens all the time. God doesn't want you just to live for results. He wants you to live for influence, for impact, for bearing fruit for his kingdom, becoming more in Jesus and helping others become more in Jesus. So have you made the shift? Are you, think about it, based on the evidence of your life and what you do during the week and how you invest your time and energy and prayers, are you living for success or have you shifted to significance? Now I challenge you to make that shift. Every morning when I wake up, one of the first prayers that I pray before I start my day is I say, God, use me today to reach one, to reach one. This, this bracelet around my wrist, everyone matters, reminds me of that. And I want to invite you, some of you are doing that, but if, if you're not, I will invite you to join me in that prayer. And when you wake up every day, say, God, use me today to influence one life. And there's been so many times where because I've prayed that prayer that I would have missed an opportunity to encourage somebody, to pray for somebody, to send that message, to have a conversation, that I, I would have been so busy doing the things I need to do to accomplish the task list and get through the schedule and manage the family and the home and all the things that there is to do, that I would have missed an opportunity. But I, I'm trying to, and I am not a master at this yet, but I am intentional about trying to be, to be better at using my time for God's purposes and not my purposes. And so I pray at the beginning of my day, God, I commit this day to you. I say, Holy Spirit, lead me. God, use me to reach one today, to influence one, to encourage one, to pray for one. Use me in some way to uplift another person today. And I know that you're busy. We all feel that way. It's it's hard to fit another thing into your life. So Brandon, are you saying that I need to do more? I need to fit more into my life? I'm actually saying you probably need to repurpose life and live for something that's more important. Not add, you might actually need to subtract some things, but but, but live for something that's more. You know, it's kinda like when your phone or your laptop gives you that little message that it wants to update the software, and doesn't that always come at the most inconvenient times? The little notification pops up and you're right in the middle of something really important, you're like, I can't can't do it right now. Do it later, do it later, do it later. But, But what it's actually trying to do is It's trying to update the internal operating system so that it can function better long-term. So you need that long-term, but you're probably so tied up in what you're doing in the short-term that you don't want to pay attention to the long-term. And man, I tell you, I think we do that all the time. We say, well, God, I know that's better, but I'm really busy chasing success right now. I'm really wrapped up in these results I'm trying to get. And those results, I mean, they're not even all bad. In fact, both the tension here is that both of these things are usually good. Fruit is always good, and the results we're chasing, a lot of times that's good things. It's just a matter of what's first. Do you bump out ministry and opportunity to serve God and his purposes so you can chase your own success? That's the wrong order. Or do you say, God, you're first. I want to be used by you. I want to lead and influence in your kingdom, and everything else is going to fall under that. Because if I'm a successful, whatever you do, fill in the blank, but I'm not bearing fruit in my life, that's not a successful life in God's word, in God's eyes. 
And God, am I living to please people or am I living to please you? And I'm trying to live to please you. So if you tell me fruit's more important than success, I need to shift to, to significance. How you doing on that? How you living? I think some of us are in a place where you could literally start your own ministry and God could use you to help change lives. I mean, I think you're ready and you just have never thought about it that way. In fact, as simple as what it could be, and it could be a lot of things, but it could be pulling people together, right, to experience life together in Christ. We, we call it life groups here at Church Experience, and we'll have another season coming up here we'll be talking about next month. But, but hang with me for a second. What did Jesus do when he came to change the world? He recruited and gathered around him 12 disciples. He poured his life into those 12. He prayed with them. He taught them. He did ministry with them. He encouraged them. And then when he departed and went to heaven three years later, after he rose from the grave and, and went up to heaven, he gave them a mission. He said, go and make disciples. Go and show the world you're my disciples by how much you love each other, by how you love the world, by being light, bear much fruit. He gave them this very clear message, but it flowed out of this time he'd had with them in a group. What if you selected 6, 12 people, and you didn't really matter too much who they are, but you just kind of gathered up the people who were available in your life, and you say, hey, why don't we, why don't we do a Bible study? And it doesn't have to be a Bible study. A lot of our life groups do like an every other week format during the school year of Bible study, prayer time. That's what a lot of our life groups are. But it, it could be a group gathered around something that you do for fun. It could be a running group or an exercise group. It could be a cooking group. It could be some other kind of group. But the, the whole point is you get people in a circle and the mask starts to come off. A few weeks or a few months into that, and people are building relationships, and it's the conversations after the group. You don't, you don't really necessarily, if you're studying the Bible every day, and you're really studying the Bible, and you're hearing messages and all that, it's not that you need another Bible study. I think that's a good thing, but that's not the whole, the point is that you're in relationship. Because when you're in relationship, man, the mask comes off, and the real you comes out, and, and man, you can, you can grow together, you can learn together, you can stretch each other, you can pray for each other, be there when you need. And, and see, that's what Jesus did. He got, got them together. And, 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 and as that friction of relationship started to happen, they grew. And, and I, I just think that God could use some of you to step up and say, hey, I, I could be used. I could, I could get a group going. I could get uh, a cluster of people together and point them towards Jesus, and, and God could use me. I, I could make that happen. John 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I really, really like this, this verse. I've loved this for a lot of years, and I've always taken it as, you know, the things I'm involved in, some of them are more important than other things, and the lesser important things I need to prune off, you know, narrow the focus, you know, prioritize what matters, you know, and I think these principles are true. I think these are good things. But I actually don't, on further study, I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. I don't, I don't think he's just, I think he could have been meaning that as well, but I don't think he's just saying, hey, look at your life and find out the things that are not as important and kind of cut those out. I do think that principle is true. I think that's in the whole of scripture, I think that's true, and that's absolutely maybe what you need to do. But I think it's a bigger deal than that. If you jump down to verse five, listen to what he says, because he talks about the pruning of the vine and the branches. Then he says in verse five, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse six, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. I think what he's saying here is not that in your life, you're the vine and you have all these branches. I have the branch of work. I have the branch of my family. I have the branch of my hobbies and the, the branch of my finances and the branch of my church involvement. And you know, I gotta figure out you know, what's important and cut off the things that are not as important. I don't think that's what he's saying. I, I think what he's very clearly saying is Jesus is the vine. You and I are the branches. And we're supposed to bear much fruit as we stay connected to the vine. And then God uses us. And so when he's talking about pruning, he's talking about the branches that are not effective and, and those that are not bearing fruit. And he's like, they're, 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 kinda, they're not being useful in the kingdom of God. He's that serious about it. He's saying it's to my Father's glory. This is really important to God that you, with your life, bear fruit. 
Now, it will take pruning in your life so that you can bear fruit, but he's saying it's so important to God that you live your life in such a way that, that it bears real fruit, not just success, not results. This is what God wants from us. It's a big deal. So, so how do leaders bear fruit? What's a godly leader do? Well, a godly leader makes their family better. It makes their friendships better. A godly leader makes their workplace and their community better. A godly leader will make their church family function better. A leader will live their lives so that the lives of those around them are better. A leader helps the world be better and their specific world be better. A leader takes action and creates movement, creates change, creates progress. I would say it this way, it's in your notes. A godly leader takes initiative and they make things better. They say, God, how can you use, how can you use me? What do you want me to do? How can I be involved in making a difference? And one of the reasons why a lot of us say, well, I'm not a leader, is because we don't have a clear understanding of what a leader is. Instead of thinking about leadership being influence, that's what real leadership is, and you can lead from any seat, you can lead from any position, you, you, you lead by influencing, by modeling, by your character, by who you are. It's not by a position, it's, it, it's a person, it's who you are. And, and so because we have this misunderstanding of leadership, what we do is we think leadership means I have to be out front. But check this out, check this out. Leadership is sometimes following. Here's a good example. First, of course, a leader needs the guts to stand alone and look ridiculous. But what he's doing is so simple, it's almost instructional. This is key. You must be easy to follow. Now here comes the first follower with a crucial role. He publicly shows everyone else how to follow. Notice how the leader embraces him as an equal. So it's not about the leader anymore. It's about them, plural. Notice how he's calling to his friends to join in. So it takes guts to be a first follower. You stand out and you brave ridicule yourself. Being a first follower is an underappreciated form of leadership. The first follower transforms a lone nut into a leader. If the leader is the flint, the first follower is the spark that really makes the fire. Now here's the second follower. This is a turning point. It's proof the first has done well. Now it's not a lone nut and it's not two nuts. Three is a crowd and a crowd is news. A movement must be public. Make sure outsiders see more than just the leader. Everyone needs to see the followers because new followers emulate followers, not the leader. Now here come two more people, then three more immediately. Now we've got momentum. This is the tipping point and now we have a movement. As more people jump in, it's no longer risky. If they were on the fence before, there's no reason not to join in now. They won't stand out, they won't be ridiculed, and they will be part of the in-crowd if they hurry. And over the next minute, you'll see the rest who prefer to stay part of the crowd, because eventually they'd be ridiculed for not joining. And ladies and gentlemen, that is how a movement is made. So let's recap what we've learned. If you are a version of the shirtless dancing guy, all alone, remember the importance of nurturing your first few followers as equals, making everything clearly about the movement, not you. Be public, be easy to follow. But the biggest lesson here, did you catch it? Leadership is over-glorified. Yes, it started with the shirtless guy, and he'll get all the credit, but you saw what really happened. It was the first follower that transformed a lone nut into a leader. There's no movement without the first follower. See, we're told that we all need to be leaders, but that would be really ineffective. The best way to make a movement, if you really care, is to courageously follow and show others how to follow. When you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first person to stand up and join in. There's no movement without the first follower. See, you know, we think that leaders, you have to be out front. And the reality is that sometimes you can join what God's already doing and make it better. And that's leadership. That's influence. And in reality, you know what? None of us can really be the first in this movement that we're a part of. None of us can be that first leader anyway. Why? Because Jesus was the leader. He's the one that started the movement. He had his group of disciples. He gathered them together. He said, hey, we're going to begin this movement. Go and make disciples. So the movement we're a part of, we're not starting anything new. We didn't start the church. You know, even though this church is a new church and we planted this church, we didn't start the church. God started the church. Jesus started the church. We're joining in on what he's already doing. And, and you and I, by following, we can make things so much better. But just, just look at it in your life and say, where is God at work? What's God doing? 
you know, where, where is God working? You know, opening our eyes to opportunities and say, I'm going to follow Jesus in this. I'm going to join what he's already doing. I'm going to use my life to make a difference. I'm going to take initiative and make something happen. You know, when I think of initiative, I think of Peter in the Bible. Wasn't Peter a great, I mean, one of those core early disciples of Jesus, wasn't he a great leader? I mean, he just, he would step into opportunities. But you know, he gets a lot of flack too, doesn't he? Because Peter, he made a lot of mistakes. And it was author Mark Batterson who put it this way so well. He says, you know, Peter gets a bum rap. Peter's the disciple who denied Christ three times, but he was the only one to get close enough to Jesus to get caught. You know, Peter's the disciple who impulsively cut off that soldier's ear when the mob came to arrest Jesus, but he was the only one who came to Jesus' defense. And, and Peter is the disciple that sinks in the Sea of Galilee, but he is also the only disciple who walked on water. It's so easy to criticize Peter from the comfortable confines of the boat. Oh, drop the mic. I mean, that's awesome. Like, we, we so easily criticize and say, well, Peter, I mean, he, he just, he was impulsive. He just jumped out there. He did stuff. He did wrong things. He made mistakes. But Peter acted. He followed Jesus. He had the right heart. And when you follow Jesus, when you try to lead, you're going to make mistakes. It's going to be messy from time to time. When, when, when you try to use your life to make a difference, there's going to be failures. There's going to be times where it doesn't work out how you hoped it would. But the, the point is not that you always get it right. It's that you're doing the right thing, that you're saying, God, I want to, I want to serve. I want to bear fruit. But it will be messy sometimes. And anytime you're working with people, it's just people are imperfect. You're imperfect. The people you serve are imperfect. There's, there's, going, to be, there's going to be issues that come up. It's going to be messy. Whenever you serve, whenever you try to lead, it's going to be messy. I, I think back to the time I first became a senior pastor. I was 25 years old, right, figuring things out. And we decided, well, let's, let's do a luau at our church. Our church was in the Dakotas, and so we were not anywhere near the beach, but I'm a beach person, so I'm like, we're going to do a, a luau, and we're going we're gonna to have a beach party here. And so we, we, had a, we had a big luau, and we, we set up a row of tiki torches around our little church building and coming out to the front parking lot. And we got everything set up, we're ready, and people start showing up. And so me and a friend went down this row of tiki torches, and we started pouring lighter fluid into all these little tiki torches, right, next to the building. And we're pouring the, the lighter fluid into these tiki torches, and the, the lighter fluid's kind of running down on the tiki torches, all right? We, we were in a hurry, and so some of it kind of spilled over the edges. Well, when people started showing up, we went back down the row of tiki torches, and we started lighting the torches. And we lit them all, and everything's going great, and we go back to the party, and we're like, whoo! got a beach party Hawaii luau at church it's gonna be awesome and we're so excited and then someone comes running around the side of the church building Brandon there's a fire I'm like what are you talking about the, the, the tiki torches they're on fire and I come look around the side of the building and these tiki torches where the lighter fluid had sp spilled out over the edges the little wick on top was not on fire the whole torch was on fire and these things were right next to the church building thankfully we got the fires on the tor torches put out before we burned the church down you know, I think every pastor wants their church to be on fire, just not like that, right? <laughs> so, but, but, you know, it's going to be messy when you serve. You're not going to always get it right. Nobody does. I mean, P Peter, he had, he had some mistakes and failures, and none of us are perfect. Come on. But, but, but it's that heart that God wants. He wants you to say, Jesus, I'm all in. How are you going to use me? I'm going to try my best. I'm going to influence. I'm going to lead. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to uplift others. And what it comes down to is this idea of taking initiative and taking a step. You know, what would happen if all of us reached out to somebody in our life who was going through something just to encourage them or pray for them? What if all of us kind of picked up slack for the other person when they were out of town or something and we're helping in their whatever ministry that they normally do? We say, hey, let me, I got you. What if we all texted somebody that was in a crisis and we said, hey, I'm praying for you. Let me know how I can help. What if we invited a friend who was spiritually lost and struggling and said, hey, why don't you come sit with me at church and let's go out to eat afterwards. I'll, I'll spend some time with you. you know, what happened if we were all taking an initiative? What, what would God do? How, how much of an impact would God make? God wants to use you to be light in this world for his kingdom. You know, many people assume that, that ministry is, is all fun. And this is a huge problem. Let me tell you why. A lot of us begin our spiritual journey. I think of how I kind of began mine in my years as I was really starting to understand it. And it was a lot of fun. 
And I was in a youth ministry and we'd take trips and go to roller coaster parks and all that. And church was just this fun place for me. I went to a really big public school and there'd be a fight during the day and it smelled like marijuana down the hallways. And I'm like, get me out of here. And I would get off basketball practice at the end of the day and I would fly over to my church youth group. And, and man, it was a great time, great place to be. And I loved being there around my Christian friends. It just, it was this very uplifting time for me. And so that's kind of how I started ministry. And I wish I would have learned early on though that ministry and following God is not just all fun. That it's not just, ministry is not supposed, meant to be all just fun and enjoy. And we come to church, well, I like being here. This is fun and we're friends. But this is a big problem. Let me tell you why it's a big problem. Because the, the better things, the more lasting things, the things that are higher impact in life are always the harder things. So if you follow Jesus only when it's like raw, raw, fun and good times, and then he says, well, pick up your cross and come follow me. Like, come, come surrender all, die for me. It's like, whoa, I just signed up for that. <laughs> like, where's all the fun, Jesus? You know, the disciples, they're traveling around with Jesus. You know, they're on this big ministry tour. They're, they're feeding 5,000 people with a few loaves and fishes, and he's doing miracles. And, and Jesus is walking around healing the blind people. I mean, how cool would that be to be a disciple at that point? Whoa, Jesus, come on. Like, you're his entourage. You're walking around. People are, like, clearing the streets. Here comes Jesus. You know, they're throwing down palm branches. And you're like, that's my boy. <laughs> that's Jesus. You know, you're following him. Like, you're, you're in on that. How fun is that? But then what happens when Jesus is arrested and, he's, and, and, and they're going to crucify him? What happened? Well, 11 out of the 12 of them disappeared. Thankfully, Peter stepped up and he's, you know, he's trying to follow Jesus. But then even he, like when they said, well, weren't you with him? No, I don't know the guy. <laughs> you know? see, see, if you only follow Jesus when it's easy and when it's fun, you'll never make a big impact. So I wish I would have learned this earlier in life, that the harder things are the better things. Now I try to, and it is so hard, but I try to lean into things when they're harder and say, you know what, this is going to be fruitful. This is worth it. This is impacting. And I try to push myself in that, but man, it's so hard, isn't it, to try to do something that's, that's hard? But what I've realized is that real ministry, real life change, it's messy, it's difficult, but man, it's lasting and real fruit. That's what you want. And, and that's ministry. And I, I guess I would just say it this way in your notes. Ministry is work. And your work can be a ministry. You know, ministry, real ministry, real life change is work. And whatever you do for your real work, that could be ministry too. It's not just people who have an occupation in ministry that are ministers. We're all called to be ministers in Christ. In fact, listen to Colossians 3, verse 17. It, it tells us very clearly, it says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever you do, so whatever you do for your work, whatever you do for your hobbies, whatever you do for fun, whatever you do to relax, redeem it all, use it all for God's kingdom. Bear fruit in whatever it is you do and work at it so that you can make a difference. That's our identity. That's who we are in Jesus, is that we are fruit bearers for God's kingdom. One last time, let's go back to John chapter 15 and verse 4. Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch, wow, listen to this, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus says to bear real fruit, you have to stay connected to the vine. Your Father in heaven and he's your source. And just like a real branch, if it's cut off from the, the, the vine, the, the trunk, the roots, it's going to die. He says, you, you, if you are disconnected to me, you can't do anything that's really impacting. So go ahead and plan. Go ahead and initiate. Go ahead and do things. But they won't be lasting things unless you remain in me and stay connected to me. Stay prayerful. Stay dependent on me. Do it for me. Do it by my power. Stay connected in me. And here's the thing. Leaders can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. In your notes, I hope this will be a lasting way to remember it. Leaders can't give what they don't live. You can't give what you don't live. Remain in Jesus because the real impact comes from the inside, not what you do on the outside. And that's why that fruit of the Spirit inside you is so important because it allows fruit on the outside of you to happen. They're very connected. Have you ever woke up? in the morning after sleeping on your neck wrong the night before? Isn't that the worst feeling? Like it's, you got this crick in your neck and you can't turn your head a certain way without it feeling awkward. And so you kind of have to turn your whole body, right? That, that whole day is just awful. Because anytime someone's talking to you at work, you're like, 
what's that? You know, and you come home, and your, your kids are running up to you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, let me help you with that. You just, you feel so awkward. My, my wife loves, I think, when this happens to me. It usually happens once or twice a year, and then she loves it because she'll just make fun of me, right? Like, she's like, hey, Brandon, can you come over here and help me with this? You know, she's just having a great time messing with me. But, you know, the reason why that's such an awful thing is because it's, it's something that's happening inside your body on the inside is making the outside, you know, harder to function. It's har- harder to, to do what you need to do. And, it, and it's this, this, this internal challenge that's making the external more difficult. See, we always lead from the inside out. We always serve from the inside out. We give from the inside out. Anything we do for God, it comes from the inside out. And so it's very important that the first person you're following, the, the, the first person in your life is Jesus. Remain in the vine, remain in him, re- remain connected to the source. It's great to be an influencer, but if Jesus is not the greatest influencer in your life, you won't really make the impact you can make. See, God wants to use you. And if I could just, if I could just sit down with you and say one thing, I'd look you in the eyes and say, listen, God has gifted you to be a leader, to be an influencer for his kingdom. But you have to stay in relationship with him. You have to stay close to him. You, you have to stay connected to the source, to the vine. And if you'll do that, God will use you to bear much fruit for his kingdom. You know, I like to end with this statement every week, right on. But for this series, I wanna end a little different way and I want your help. My hope is that all of us will step into our God-given leadership and influence and God will use us to make a great difference for his kingdom and that we will lead on, lead on. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.